Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Amen. Amen. Hold on. Some of us need to hear that. Hold on, because God is going to do a mighty work. Hold on. Some of us have struggled all week long. We didn't quite know how we were going to make it. We didn't quite know how we were going to get through. But the Lord said, just hold on just a little while longer. Hold on. For a number of us, that is the thing that has kept us. Because we hold, as the songwriter say, to God's unchanging hand. That means we can count on God in our time of trouble. When things get rough, God is there to lift us up. Amen. Amen. It is quite fitting that I am preaching on the day that uh, Sister Dora Alice Green is being honored because Sister Doris Alice Green and I have an understanding, and that understanding is she tells me what to do, and I do it. That is the understanding that we have. And so one of those understandings is I better acknowledge Linda when I step into the pulpit. Deacon Linda, I appreciate your support, and I appreciate if you tell Sister Doris Alice Green I did what I was told. Amen, amen, amen. Let me stop for a moment and first thank God. God gave me Linda. God gave me an opportunity to serve in this wonderful church. There is no other place that I would rather be than at PGC. Amen. Amen. As I tell people, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, there is no place like the Grove. So I don't care where you are and what you do. Until you've been over at the Grove, you, you don't know what it's like. Amen. Amen. We are the most loving people that I have ever known. Most supportive. When you're time of trouble, PGC shows up and they show out. And so I'm thankful to be in a church that does that. So God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to preach in your pulpit. Thank you for blessing me with such a church family as this. Thank you, Lord, because I know that it is you that brought me to this point because you have a purpose for my life. So, Father God, in this moment, in this time, and in this place, hide me behind the cross. Allow the people to be focused on you, your will, your way, and what you would have us to do in this moment, God. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm actually going to need my glasses. Uh, so let me put those on. Amen. Amen. As a number of you know, uh, Deacon Jones got a new job uh, in the town of Apex. And on the first week of the job, Deacon Jones says to me, uh, Marlon, uh, I have to go to a Black History celebration. Would you like to go? Now, if you understand our relationship, uh, that's a hard no. 
All right. If you understand, we got some understandings in the Jones household. We don't go to work events unless one of us says, you have to go or I need you to go. And so those words were not said in that moment. So that's a hard no. No, I won't be going with you uh, on Saturday to the event. And of course, the Lord started working on me, Reverend Bell. Uh, we got to Friday and I was feeling guilty. Bishop Farr, I was like, mm, how's this going to look? Wife on a new job, her preacher, husband, teacher will not go over there to support her. I said, hmm, this is not looking good for the Reverend. I might, I might need to rethink this moment in my life. So I say to Deacon Linda on Friday night, well, how long, how long is this thing going to last? Oh, it's just a historical marker, Marlon. I'm thinking 45 minutes to an hour we've done. Because I said, you know I have a honey-do list on Saturday, so I got to be able to take care of all those things that you want me to do. Fast forward, we're at the event. We're an hour and 15 minutes in, Reverend Bell, and we're not even halfway through the program. <laughs> Deacon Jones is looking at me, and I'm looking at Deacon Jones because there's a whole list of errands that I was responsible for on Saturday, and all I could see was those sad eyes. I am sorry. And so I'm thinking, Lord, 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 what have I gotten myself into? So I would say here, uh, Reverend Bell, maybe I should have hung on to that hard and fast note. But watch the Lord. So we are over here for this uh, Black History moment. So what is going on? They are uh, presenting a historical marker for Apex Consolidated High School uh, Apex Elementary, uh, Apex Consolidated High School was a uh, African-American segregated high school built uh, in 1932. It was one of the Rosenwald schools. So I got my black history lesson there. But the reality of the situation is that the Lord was not done with me yet. Uh, an attorney by the name of Star Battle came up to the podium. And the title of her speech was, are you a legacy builder or are you a legacy destroyer? Mm. Now, I listened to that for a minute and I said, oh, Lord, uh, that will preach. And then I said, oh, but I can't plagiarize Mrs. Battle. Those are her words and not mine. But the Lord said, well, watch this. My title actually today is what legacy are you leaving. When we think about what Ms. Battle said, I said, well, you know, I really can't take her title because if I come over here and tell the people of God that they might be legacy destroyers, they might throw stones at me, Bishop. And so the Lord said, no, that's not what I want you to do. When we think about legacy, a lot of us think about financial legacy. What are you going to leave me in the form of money? But the reality of the situation is legacy is not just about financial gifts. Legacy is about 
the example that you are leaving for the people behind you to follow. Legacy is about how do you leave a place when you leave a job, when you leave a school, when you leave a church? What did they say after you were gone? It has been my pleasure today to think about being on the pulpit to close out Women's History Month because truth be told, Bishop, I got to open up Black History Month. And so I am honored to think about the legacies of Sister Clarice Atwater, uh, Deacon Ophelia Taylor, Director Monica Dixon Perry, Dr. Paula Smith-Sawyer, Dr. Lisa Barrow-Lane, Sister Billy Redmond, and Sister Doris, Dora Alice Green. The legacy that they have left and are leaving is an example for us to follow. I want to thank our pastor. Some of you thought I had forgotten that. I had not. And I want to thank our pastor because even from her recovery room, she has organized these wonderful tributes. She is always modeling the example for us. And I'll be just honest with you in this moment when I came in and I saw Pastor's video on the announcements changed my whole demeanor. What does that mean? I have missed my pastor in her discovery, in her recovery. I don't know about you, but I'm not used to going this long without seeing and hearing from my pastor. At the very least, I'm used to hearing, Marlon, I need you to do this. Marlon, you're supposed to be doing this. And I'm okay with that because I get to see my pastor. So while I have the floor for just a minute, I want to say a couple of words about my pastor and your pastor. She's very humble. She always wants the focus to stay on God and God's people. However, as a person that is from a family of preachers, evangelists, and pastors, let me say this, we have a gift in Dr. Classy Preston. They don't make them folks like her. You can't find them anywhere else like her. Pastor is a visionary. She has been pastor for almost 25 years. She has completed two major expansions of the church. If truth be told, when you talk to churches, most pastors can't get through one. She is a dreamer. She has big dreams for not only PGC, but also for our children. That's why we focus on children and youth. That's why she created and started the Dream Academy. Pastor is loving and patient no matter how stubborn we are, or maybe I should speak for myself, no matter how stubborn I am, no matter how hard-headed I am, Bishop, she coaches me up. And Bishop, when I get lost, she comes looking for me. She marshals the entire church in our time of need to make sure that we are supported, to make sure that we have everything that we need. She is filled with the Holy Spirit. She is an anointed teacher, an extraordinary preacher. 
Other characteristics include wise, gentle, energetic, loyal, faithful, fervent, devoted, persistent, strong, tenacious, and courageous. Amen. The reality for me in this moment is that this sermon today is all about legacy. And if I can let God use me for a fraction of what he's used Dr. Preston for, I will have done something in this life, Reverend Bell. So in this moment, church, let's thank God for Dr. Reverend Dr. Classy Preston. Amen. Pastor, I know you're listening. And so we love you. And I don't think anybody is more excited than I am to see you on the family Zoom today at 1 o'clock. Amen. So the question for us, the question for me is, what legacy are you leaving? What are you doing? What is God saying about the work that you're doing? If we look over in Matthew chapter 24, we hope God is saying, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you came to see about me. That's what we hope. God is saying on our day of judgment. But the reality in this moment, he's going to say some other things to some of us. If we're not careful, if we go down to verse number 30, 41 in Matthew chapter 25, it says, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his dominions. For when I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was thirsty, you did not give me a drink. When I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. When I was naked, you did not give me any clothes. When I was sick, you did not care for me. When I was in prison, you did not come to visit me. Our legacy is shaped by the decisions we choose to make. We are saved by our faith. But James says, faith without works, Reverend Bell, is dead. So when we look at today's story of Rahab, she changed the direction of not only her life, but the lives of her family members with faith and action. Throughout the book of Joshua, we hear God tell Joshua and the Israelites, be strong and courageous. Joshua is reminded four times in chapter one, be strong and courageous. The fact of the matter, if you're reading uh, the book of Joshua, the first time we get to see somebody be strong and courageous is Rahab. 
Why is Rahab strong and courageous? Because she, in verse 4, decided to hide the spies. And she followed it up in verses 5 through 7 by sending the king's men on a wild goose chase. And this is strong and courageous because if she or the spies had been captured, that's treasonous, that's punishable by death. So how many of us are willing to be strong and courageous? The sad thing is that it is not fear that is paralyzing us. Someone says, oh, what do you mean? It's really indifference that is paralyzing us as a people. What do I mean by indifference? Indifference is defined as lack of interest, lack of concern, lack of passion. It is impossible to be strong and courageous if you don't care. We have lost our passion for attendance. We have lost our passion for hearing sermons. We have lost our passion for ministry. Our response is let the pastor and them leaders you got over there handle it. That's anti-biblical. What do you mean, Reverend? The church was not set up for one or two or three people to do everything. Yeah. Ephesians 4... And 11 says it like this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to, watch this, equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. It did not say go out and hire a pastor and a few paid staff to do the ministry. It says God gave people with gifts to the church so that the gifted people would equip the saints, you and me, to do ministry. So when people say to me, I'm not coming back to the church, what they are saying is, I'm not coming back over there because I don't plan on doing any ministry or service. They don't say that I'm not coming back to the physical church, but I plan to be online, I plan to be in service assignments. They say I'm not coming back to the church. That's indifference. That's lack of concern. That's lack of passion. Let me give you an example that happened this week. I was teaching one of my classes. We won't mention which one. And I was actually, Reverend Bale, for the first time in 24 years, dressed in costume. I was a pirate. Can you believe this? Shook up the whole school. Everybody trying to figure out why is Mr. Jones dressed as a pirate? The reality is we were speed dating and one of my kids challenged me to come dress since I was encouraging them to come dressed up as a character. I said, ooh, well, if I've challenged them, then I have to model the behavior that I'm expecting from them. So I came home. I said, Linda, I got to be a pirate. You got to help me become a pirate. She's looking at me, a pirate? I said, well, I got this stuff off of Amazon. Can you tie it? She's looking at that. She's the Reverend Bell. She's looking at me like, mm -mm, this ain't going to work out for you. But I'm going to help you anyway, and I'm going to send you off 
And then she took pictures for evidence, Reverend Bell, as she sent me all that morning. Y'all keep praying for me. But the example that caught me off guard is that I got to participate in the activity, which I'm always glad about. But in one class, as I went around, we were speed dating, if you can believe that. We were speed dating uh, explorers. Now, I don't want to get into why we were speed dating explorers, but we were trying to give them some information and have a little fun at the same time. And so we were speed dating these explorers, so I got to participate. I got to go through the process, and every one of my students just about wanted to comment about how rich they were as their character. And I said to them as we were debriefing, is rich a, a quality as something that you look for in order to date someone. And a resounding yes. I thought the question would help redirect them, but it did not. With the exception of one or two, they were all sold. And I said, hmm, wasn't expecting that response. I'm going to have to think on that in just a minute. But what disturbed me more is the assistant principal, Reverend Bill, happened to be doing an observation at the same moment. And she said, Mr. Jones, I got a question. I said, yes, ma'am. What is your question? I want to ask the kids, does it matter how they get the money? Ooh. The, res the response for from all but two in this class of almost 30 was, no, it does not matter. That's indifference. Now, I don't want to spend the time talking about my class, but we did revisit that toward the end, and we got them to think about some things, so I did my job on that front. But what caught me is, is not only are we becoming indifference, we're raising a whole generation to become indifferent. So that is our challenge for us. We cannot be indifferent. We cannot not care. That is anti-biblical. God cared. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son so that we would have a right to the tree of life. Are we modeling that same type of behavior? Rahab, if we go back to our story, had passion, had strength, and had courage because, watch this, she believed. In verses 9 through 11, it said that the people's hearts melted away because they had heard how the Lord your God dried up the Red Sea and saved the Israelites from Egypt. She said, we heard how God completely destroy the Amorite kings and their people. We also wondered in our hearts how we would stand against this. Verse 11, to be specific, says, For the Lord your God is supreme God of heaven above and the earth below. Rahab chose, watch this, to believe we must also choose to believe. Faith is a choice, folks. It's not complicated. I am always amazed that people will choose to believe secular things, but will not choose to believe the word of God. 
What do I mean? People will believe all kind of conspiracy theories with no proof or no facts. They say, I found it on the internet, and I always kind of thought this way, so it must be true. I am amazed and scared that some of our children will believe and do anything as long as they saw it done on TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat. What do you mean, Reverend? We have gone from the bathroom destruction challenge to the slap your teacher challenge to now assaulting your neighbors with BB guns and terrorizing pets challenge. Here's the question. If technology can be used to get people to do all this kind of nonsensical stuff, why can't the people of God use this same technology to bring people to Christ? Folks, we've got our work before us. Our children are hanging in the balance. It's time to be strong and courageous. I've been doing some personal development this year, Reverend Bell, on leadership and wisdom. I've been trying to figure out why things are so tough at times for me, Reverend Bell. I discovered as I was doing this meditation, study, and personal reflection that I too had believed some lies of the world. The lie was that if you're on God's team, then things should not be that hard because God's got your back and you're carrying out his plan. If it is too hard, then you either are doing it wrong or you're really not doing God's plan. Before the pandemic and during the pandemic, I was starting to maybe think I was doing something wrong. Maybe I wasn't praying hard enough. Maybe I wasn't studying hard enough. Maybe I was in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. Watch this. But I continue to pray, Bishop. And I prayed for wisdom and clarity I studied two books and I'm still studying them. And one is Tim Kelly's book, Wisdom for Navigating Life. It helped me understood that in order to get wisdom, you're gonna have to go through some things. Wisdom is a gift from God, but you're gonna have to have some experiences and you're gonna have to do some prayer, Reverend Bell, to get it. I read another book from Samuel Chan, it says leadership pain. And the quote at the end of the first chapter, Reverend Bear, almost made me put this book down. The quote at the end of the chapter said, you'll only, you'll grow only to the, to the threshold of your pain. To grow more, raise your threshold. Mm. Now let me be real for you a second. I want to put that book down, Bishop. I'm not looking for any more pain, Bishop. I said, mm, that devil must be on this author because this don't sound right. But then God said, think about the leaders in the Bible. Think about Abraham. Think about Moses. Think about David. Even Jesus, they had to increase 
their pain to get where God wanted them to go. I said, hmm. So, Lord, you're trying to tell me I need to keep reading this book. What God is trying to tell me and his brother is trying to tell you is if you want a God-ordained legacy, then you have a choice. That choice is you can choose to believe like Rahab or not. There is no in-between. If I stay with Rahab just a minute longer and we go down to verse number 17, it says this. It says, the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us wear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this red scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. You shall gather your house your father your mother your brother and all your father's household then if anyone goes out of those doors of the house into the streets his blood will be on his head and we will be guiltless but if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house his blood shall be on our head but if you tell our business some of us Need to work on that. If you tell our business, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you made us square. And she said, according to your words, so it be. Then she sent them away and departed, and they tied the scarlet cord to the window. If we don't watch out, folks, we'll miss here. There were three specific conditions for Rahab and her family to be saved. The conditions were, one, tie a red rope in the window. Condition two, bring your entire family into your house and keep them inside. Condition three, don't betray us. Just like Rahab, folks, we too have conditions for salvation. What do you mean, Reverend? Salvation is free. It is. But watch this. We must admit, number one, Bishop, that we are what? Sinners. Number two, we must choose to believe that Jesus died for our sins and he what? He got up. And condition three, we must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So in this moment for us, folks, it is for us to think, have we become too indifferent for God? Have we lost our passion? Have we chosen one to be strong and courageous, two to believe? And do we understand the conditions for salvation? So as I reflected on Rahab, I choose to believe that Rahab looked around at her own life. 
And I believe that she said, this can't be all there is. I think she said, I don't want this life. I think she said, I heard about a God that parted the Red Sea and saved the Israelites. I heard about this same God that defeated the Amorites and Sion and Og. I believe Rahab said in that moment, the same God has got all Jericho shook up. I think she said in that moment, I no longer want to be a prostitute. I am tired of this life. I think I'll try the God of the Israelites and I'll see what he can do for me. He made, she made a choice in that moment. So my homework, yeah, I'm the teacher, folks. My homework for you is take stock of your own life. What is God saying about you. What do you mean? Some folks say, well, I don't know what God's saying about me. I got an answer for that. Look around. Look at the company you are keeping. If the people that you are with are not talking about God, not looking for Jesus, not listening to Jesus, then you know what God is saying about you. I encourage you to do what Rahab did. Try the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. He's got a son named Jesus that will clean you up. And if you're all shook up, he will put you on solid ground. So my homework for you is to think about your own life. What legacy are you leaving? Remember one, be strong and courageous. Number two, you must believe. And number three, you need to understand how you're going to get saved. Savior, salvation comes by one, admitting that you are what? Sinner. Two, you must what? Believe that Jesus died and got up. And number three, you must confess that he is Lord. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer with us. And it says, Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I ask for your forgiveness. And you can do this if you are streaming. At this moment, I believe you alone are the one who bore my sins when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Today, I turn from my sinful life and invite you into my heart. I will trust you and follow you all of the days of my life. Thank you for saving me 
and hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.